Hello, my name is Tanai and I'm a women's intimacy and empowerment coach. For years, I tried to heal what I thought was commitment phobia, and I realized that there's actually no such thing. This podcast is an opportunity to have conversations about what gets in the way of us creating real intimacy, and how can we have more deep and vulnerable connections in our relationships. This is Commitment Phobe. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm going to be having a very juicy conversation with two friends, Vanessa and Rishi. They're from very separate worlds of mine, but very similar. Vanessa, I know from a community called Desire on Fire, and we met while leading an amazing event. She's She works behind the scenes, putting on incredible events, workshops, and retreats and experiences. And Rishi, I met at ISTA, which I've spoken about many times here. Rishi was one of the closest connections that I made. When I wanted to make a podcast about jealousy, these two came in mind, and you'll you'll find out why. But I'm excited because we're going to bring in some different perspectives maybe some controversy, some unique ways of of looking at jealousy that people don't really talk about and hopefully provide you guys with some support and tools and how to deal with jealousy in your own lives. So very excited for this conversation. Welcome. Why don't we start with Vanessa? Why don't you introduce yourself and and who you are? Sure. Thank you so much, Chimai. Thank you for having me. Um, My name is Vanessa Villieta. As you said, I run uh, events, I do behind the scenes work. Um, I love to coordinate beautiful safe spaces for people to come together, grow, learn and share, communicate and experience loud here. I'm so sorry. But yeah, so thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. I am excited to talk about this topic of jealousy because I am in an open relationship with a very communicative partner and it has changed the way that I look at jealousy overall in the grand scheme of things when it comes to uh, work relationships, when it comes to female friendships, sisterhood relationships family relationships, and of course, in my romantic relationships. So in a nutshell, that's who I am and why I'm here. And I look forward to talking more. Awesome. Thank you. And handing it over to Rishi. Hey, everybody. First of all, thanks a lot for having me tonight. It's great to see you. And Vanessa, it's very nice to meet you. My name is Rishi Bond. And I am Guatemalan. And it's always really interesting when I have to introduce myself. I'm constantly evolving. And it's like, what do I get? How do I present myself? And today, I'm going to present myself as the masculine perspective in this conversation. I'm really interested to be able to share a little bit about my experience with jealousy And I really want to hear what Vanessa has to say in regards to open relating. I find that fascinating. And tonight, you know, we talked about that in in ISTA. That's one of the topics that's there. And it's so amazing to hear that there's people that are successfully doing this because I know that there's a lot of questions. So, you know, my expectations here for this conversation has to do with that, just learning and being able to give my perspective. So nice to meet you all. Beautiful. So I will start with, my relationship to jealousy. I've never really considered myself a jealous person, but well, actually there, there has been jealousy that's come up around jealousy with other women, jealousy about their bodies, jealousy about the way that they've been able to attract men, jealousy about the way they've created money. And that's always shown me what I desire. Like that's what I've learned that jealousy shows you what you desire. And when it came to relationships, anything that had to do with like possessiveness that I never really felt the jealousy. Like I just felt, I don't know. It always felt playful. If my partner was, you know, talking about another woman or saying that, that he's, you know, turned on by a celebrity or flirting with the waitress, but then it was never reciprocated that way. Like when, when, whenever I was with a partner, the partner would always say like, don't talk to me about other men or like, don't mention a threesome ever. Like I, I'm never going to talk about it. And I was never really triggered by that, but I was always just kind of like, huh, like, why do people have such a big thing around, you know, possession and jealousy? So that's my personal relationship. I'd love to transition into something that Vanessa, that you mentioned that you said 
that with your lover, you allowed the jealousy factor to come in. Like you really worked with it and you really worked on it together so that it wasn't like a hindrance to your relationship. So I'd love for you to start us off there. Of What did that look like? Thank you. Thank you for asking. Thank you for sharing your perspective on it. And similarly, I had always been very open as far as loving relationships goes, romantic relationships goes. I love, I always loved flirting. I thought like it was such, it's like an ego boost. Like I'm like, flirt, go have fun. Like get pumped up. I love that other women want you. Like I've always kind of felt that way or, you know, or any gender. I love that people want you. But the same thing, not really reciprocated. Then I met the person that I'm with now and I expressed this to him in the very beginning that I had just come out of a 15 year marriage um, where open relating was not on the table. I had put it out there at one point. It was, it was just not on the table. So I had, you know, I had agreed to that and that was fine. But now in my new relationships going forward, um, I just said that it's not something I'm ever really willing to do again is like be monogamous, especially in the very beginning. Like I'm not going to, I just came out of a 15 year marriage. I'm not going to get into a new relationship with someone and be like, okay, cool. Let's see how long this one lasts. And I'm not going to give anyone else a chance. I'm 40. No, no. So um, that was on the table from the very beginning. And he was relieved because he had had the experience of always feeling like, and I won't speak too much for him, but he had mentioned to me that he was so relieved. He had always kind of thought that that is the way that he felt best was to not have to hide any parts of himself, to not feel shame around maybe being attracted to other people, but had always had this factor of like shame, not being allowed to, you know, flirt and things like that. And I said, no, I love this. So it just started with this very simple understanding that we both kind of wanted these things. It was during the pandemic when we met, so we didn't have a lot of experience being out and about in the world, but there were pieces that came up. The first time he mentioned to me that there was a person that he had been interested in for a very long time, and the idea that they may be able to get together now, he brought it up to me in that way. And I said, okay. And of course I was like, oh gosh, you know? And so I used jealousy as a, a, a reason to get curious. So while we had this agreement that we could be dating other people, why did I have this twinge? So the first question I asked myself is, why am I feeling this? What is this feeling? And the first couple of things that came up, and I noticed this as a pattern, is I'm afraid she's better than me. And so I work with that. And I go, okay, well, chances are she's probably a really amazing person. My partner doesn't like not amazing people like he has really great friends he has beautiful relationships with a lot of women um this person that he's been interested in for many years his he has an opportunity to be with them person actually probably is pretty great does it mean that i'm not no it means that i'm great too and he chooses great people right so like i had to have that whole conversation and of course there's more there's layers to that but immediately, so whenever my immediate thought is, oh, maybe she's better than me, it's no, it's no, he likes great people. And we have an agreement that he can explore those options with great people. So <sighs> brings it down. So that's just one thing among many others, but, and I can expound on other things too, but that's just one, one tool that I use as I just look at, oh, what is this feeling I'm having? This is the thought. Is it true? No, it's not true. So I can move on. What really stuck with me is how different that is from what you see in the media, like in movies of like a girl talking to her friends and then her friends being like, oh, don't worry. She's definitely uglier than you or she's definitely not as cool as you. And it's such a different story than hearing you say like, no, she probably is really cool. She's probably amazing because my partner is going to be with amazing people and that's okay. So to answer your question, my relationship with jealousy has been really interesting as I've embarked in this inner journey of really understanding who I am and why I act the way that I do. When you asked me to be here and talk about jealousy, it really made me sit down and take a look at the past behaviors that I've had. And similar to you, I've never been a really jealous person, but it's been by design. I haven't been a jealous person because I realized that in a relationship dynamic, 
I always tried to have like the upper hand and kind of like the control and the power in the relationship. And I realized that that was all shielding me from the vulnerability of possibly being rejected. And by having the power in the relationship, then it's like, I don't need to worry. You know, I don't need to worry. I don't need to feel jealous because I know that this person is deeply in love with me and nothing would ever happen to break that. But now I see how those patterns are just all about afraid of vulnerability, you know, just fear of vulnerability and fear of losing that control. And yeah, it's been really, really interesting. But for me, just personally, I've never been a jealous person, but I have caused jealousy at a subconscious level on purpose to kind of like maintain this illusion of power and control. It's quite toxic if you ask me. Pass <laughs> Rishi. Right, right. Well, I love that you mentioned that. Pass Rishi. On, so I asked on Instagram for people if they have any questions on jealousy, you know, to share. And one of them was just the intersection of jealousy and internalized toxic masculinity. Mm. So I can't say that I have an immediate answer for this, but I, I know that you would. So I guess like take yeah. it as you interpret it because there isn't really a question in there, but I know that for you, that was a big thing that you wanted to talk about the toxic. Masculinity. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in reality, uh, just like I mentioned, when, when a relationship begins about or is founded in some sort of power struggle, everybody loses. And it's all hidden in fear. And when, you know, I'm going to talk about Rishi, when Rishi was unable to really tap into his heart and identify why, why it was that he was seeking this control, um, then I would start to create dynamics and containers where things like jealousy arose. And I can definitely see how that's, that's, that can be used as a, as a tool, you know, that can be used as a way of keeping that control. If the other partner isn't sure about the connection that I have and the commitment that I have, then I could use jealousy as a form of wanting to regain that control or have more control over, over the relationship. So it's, it's definitely a dark, dark part. It's a, there's definitely a lot of shadow work there. And that's kind of been part of my journey as well, you know, as how, how can I continue to show up in connections, showing my vulnerability and integrity and eliminate these old patterns that I've been taught? Uh, because in the sexual marketplace, uh, as a man, I'm the one who needs to you know, hunt or I'm the one who needs to go and chase and I'm the one who needs to go and talk. And when you're growing up as a man, you, you get taught different strategies and there's just so much marketing and there's so many even industries dedicated to like how to become a pickup artist and it's like how to pick up girls and all of these are like sleazy tactics and they're manipulative and they tap into shadow emotions and the interesting part and where it gets really confusing is that they actually work like when you tap into a lot of these things and tap into really raw emotions of jealousy and fear you will get an emotional reaction. And if the partner that you are or the person that you're interacting with isn't firm with herself or himself, then you're going to tap into those insecurities. And part of like the strategies around these pickup artists is tapping into insecurities so that you can get them hooked and have the power and win, you know, and that's what we're taught. That's what we're taught is how can you do this? How can you continue to get girls? How can you continue to get girls? And it's, definitely needed to change. We need to change this, you know, and that's why I think men's circles and it's so powerful and so important because we need to just really leave that behind because it's an entire industry. There are books, speakers, seminars, all dedicated on how to pick up girls. Vanessa, I saw you raise your hands. So I wanted to check in with you. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to say thank you for sharing that perspective and I, from like the mirror of that is that I think that we are ingrained to, you know, notice that that is a real thing and that men do do that and they are groomed that way in certain ways by media, stories, conditioning. 
But I also believe that if we're looking at everyone, assuming that they are in that world, then it's very easy to put a guard up. So I think by doing like my own inner work and my own uh, using my own judgment and discernment around who I want to be in a relationship with and who I want to choose to have open relationship with makes a big difference. So like I said in the very beginning with my partner, it was I'm not going to be in a monogamous relationship right away because I've been with someone for 15 years and I want to get to know you. I'm not going to commit myself to you before I know who you are and what you're about and how you look at life commitments, women, yourself. So once, so with the partner I'm with now, he, he does adore women. He does say, do compliment use says things that if you don't know him you might go oh god like he's a cornball or like he's he's you know oh he's just trying to pick up people and i've seen people actually have that perspective on him before and i go no he he adores women from a very loving masculine place and he does no boundaries and he does and he doesn't just you know cat call women on the street he genuinely compliments people who are in his surroundings because he from a math from a from a healthy masculine place of like lifting if they're open to that and when and i'll just mention one piece of jealousy in the very beginning was like oh he would he would maybe on social media make comments you look beautiful this outfit is beautiful on you and maybe a little twinge would come up of like <gasps> but all i would say is what is that and then i look at it from my own perspective i'm like i compliment my friends all of the time I look at women all the time. I'm bisexual. I'm very attracted to women. I'm seeing a woman right now and I compliment her from a loving, respectful place um, that it does convey attraction, but it's not a sleazy tactic. So while those things exist, using, you know, coming from a healthy masculine place and a healthy feminine place, I think there are ways to navigate the toxic masculinity that we know is out there but i am i have a lot of faith that it is being uncovered and worked through and i love that you mentioned men's circles and communication and working you know with the energies because that is the true path to getting through the ego which was where all jealousy comes from wow yes so powerful and i so much has come like so many questions that i have has come up for both of you as, as i've heard you speak the interesting thing is that the kind of the most of the guys that I've dated are so different from both of what you guys are talking about. I've dated men that are so ashamed of their attraction for other women, of their thoughts for other women. There's they, they're they're like the the Mr. Nice guy, right? The I'm so afraid of being an asshole, I'm not gonna mention to you that I find that woman sexy. So that's been interesting too, this like demonization of the asshole that then there's men that are like so scared of owning like their desires and owning their fantasies and their attractions and right their humanness, which has been interesting for me as someone who has like a lot of, you know, I've done a lot of work around this. So yeah, it's been interesting to be with men that haven't felt so open in saying stuff like that because they think it's wrong. Right. And because they themselves would be jealous if I said something like that. I think I told you guys one time I was with a guy and I woke up and I told him that I had a dream that I had sex with some other guy. And he was like, why would you tell me that? And I'm like, wow, I, I didn't even think of it. You know, it's just like a fun fact. <laughs> like to me, it has nothing to do with you. It's me, my dream has nothing to do with you. But with that, Vanessa, I'd love to ask you, like, you know, Rishi made a really good point about this like power struggle that comes in, in relationship. And it's very natural, especially, especially if you have an anxious attachment style or an avoidance, avoidant. But it seems like you are very like just secure in yourself in that whatever your partner is attracted to, like you're very, you're, it, it seems like you have a lot of awareness that whatever comes up is for you to deal with in yourself. How did you work through that? If, if there was any kind of like threatening of the control or threatening of the power? Yeah. Thank you. That's, that's a good question. Um, and I think that I'm very secure in our agreement. So I think that that for me is the foundation that there is an agreement in our relationship where 
we are going to explore open relating. We are we identify as you know polyamorous. We are parts of communities where people are openly sharing about their struggles and their wins in open relating. So I think that jealousy from the perspective of people who choose to be non-monogamous does come with a lot of you know trial and error agreements to communicate. Now I think that doesn't that doesn't mean that it can't happen in monogamous relationships also, but it will probably look different. It will definitely look different. And I read a book, um, I read a book and I had my partner read this book um, very early on in our relationship called Polysecure. I would definitely highly recommend that to anyone. And it's it's for people in polyamorous relationships, but I would recommend it to anyone, even if you're not considering being non-monogamous, which is totally okay and a great choice as well. <laughs> but working through jealousy so that it doesn't cause barriers to, you know, it doesn't cause barriers to communication. Because like you said, someone might be so afraid to say something that it's just repressed emotion, it's repressed thoughts, it's repressed feelings, and that's gonna blow up somewhere else. Or if there is jealousy happening and maybe it's created, like, you know, you had mentioned that in in certain, there's control, there's a control piece and maybe that jealousy makes you feel something. It's like, oh, she really does care. Or, you know, that's just my interpretation of it of like, oh, she's getting jealous. Okay, she's she she does care or she, she's going to do something to latch back on. Having a communication or an agreement where if that pops up, because maybe it will happen unconsciously, if that's something that you're used to doing for decades, decades, it might happen unconsciously. So I think making an, an agreement for me was the foundation of like being like, okay, these feelings might come up. And when they do, the agreement is that we talk about them, we work with them, we decide if it's if it's a real thing that that needs to be something else needs to be changed, because it is actually hurting me, or if it's a story, an old thing that's hurting me, and that we can do something that you can reassure me that everything is going to be okay. And that none of that happens without an agreement and communication. And I always say we're practicing, like we're practicing non-monogamy because it is, it, it's not something that just, I don't think for me, it will ever be just one day, oh yeah, it's totally fine with, you know, him fucking everyone, you know? <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's gotta be a part of our relationship and our communication. Yeah, I really liked what Vanessa was saying about agreements and, as I continue to step on this journey and walk this journey of authentic relating and really being able to show my vulnerability and express my truth, identify what it is first and be able to express it, I am no longer willing to be or connect with a person who is not on the same page. And I feel like there's so many things that go wrong when our selection process if you want to take a look at it, if you want to if you want to call it that is the old paradigm or the old way or the old patterns and i start to continue to choose people um, on how i was before and now as it stands like this is when i know that i feel comfortable in a container is like my the way that i choose partners and the way that i choose connections has changed drastically and because I'm able to recognize first with myself that I'm able to be vulnerable, express my truth, I'm also able to identify when someone is able to do the same. And when you're able to kind of connect on that level, and as long as there's communication, these things like jealousy and these things like attraction uh, to other people just seem like a very natural thing that come up, you know, when you start to create these spaces where you check in regularly all of these problems start to kind of just go away and it just requires a lot of work. But that has been my experience with my last relationship. It was the best relationship I ever had. And it's because we were both on the same page and we understood that vulnerability is key and constantly showing up and having these conversations on these topics that are iffy and sticky and complicated and sensitive and triggering you know, half the time, it's just about creating that space before even having the conversation. It's like, hey, listen, let's drop in. But first, you know, I want to know how you're doing. Uh, how do you feel today? Like, I'm going to be talking about this topic. Is this a good time for it? Should we light some incense? Is there a candle around here that we can kind of diffuse energy? Like all that good stuff of just kind of creating the space to have the conversation is such an important step because 
I've had it in the past where it's just the wrong time and the wrong place. And like, we're talking about something that's sensitive in public or just impulsively without actually creating the space to do so. So I think that's incredibly important. Wow. Yes. Yes. You know, what I'm hearing and when, when you say that is that the moment you do that, you're on the same team and the intention is to work through something together when these conversations are usually like the moment that it becomes a competition, the moment that it becomes a who's right, who's wrong, as opposed to like, this is, this conversation is for the good of us. Like we're on each other's team, even if it ends in us splitting, like this is because we're, we support each other's growths. We, we, we love each other deeply and jealousy is something that, that we just look down upon. You know, it's like so many people have shame around it, or it's just, it means there's something wrong. If you're jealous, like it means something's wrong with you or something is wrong with the relationship as opposed to like you both have, have mentioned, like just talking about it, just having it be like a normal human emotion, you know, of just being like, you know, let's set the time and let's talk about the stuff that's coming up for me. This made me jealous. That made me jealous. And I, I feel like most of the time there isn't even anything to resolve. I feel like 90% of the work is to just name it and talk about it and be witnessed in with someone else's loving presence. Like just having someone witness you expressing something vulnerable without them needing to fix you, just hearing you out and saying like, I hear you, thanks for sharing and not taking it on as they've done anything wrong. That's really what's missing a lot. It's not even just how do we get rid of jealousy? It's just how do we normalize it? How do we talk about it? Because clearly it has nothing to do with the other person. It's just something that's coming up for you, for you to look at within yourself. I can just add to that. I totally, I totally agree with you that it's like, it's we're hopefully in this conversation, like creating, normalizing a little bit, like the idea that it is a factor in some places, but setting the stage because I think jealousy is an immediate nervous system trigger. Like that's why I do that feeling or I make that, Ooh, I feel the thing. And so, like you said, Rishi, like create, like just creating the space, taking a deep breath, remembering that we're human, normalizing. I love all of that. And I think part of that immediate trigger comes from just society overall. Like, I think we're also brought up to like, look at, you know, I think about when I was a kid, like lifestyles of the rich and famous. And, you know, these people who have, you know, this person has more and in corporate world, it's always like more, 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 more. And the people at the top, have all the power, right? And we're meant to be like, oh, I'm jealous of that because they have what I want or they ha they have power over me because of this. Instead of, you know, going, okay, like, is there something there that I want and what are the action steps that I can take to get it? Or is it something that I've just been conditioned to feel less than because I'm looking at them and they have, you know, this extravagant, aesthetically when you look upon it thing that feel that just makes you feel small just being able to excavate it a little bit instead of being like oh i'm jealous i'm wrong for being jealous you know any of those feelings like all of the feelings that come up around it's just excavating it a little bit and normalizing the feeling and being like okay where do i go from here to either get that thing that i want or be okay with not having it and knowing that i have plenty of things that other people are jealous of and they don't need to be either. <laughs> yeah, and I actually want to add that in preparation for this podcast, I was thinking about the difference between envy and jealousy. Because I, I wasn't really sure. Like, I feel like they're kind of interchangeable with each other. And I started to go online and there were like a bunch of different definitions. And I found one that I think is actually quite, it's quite good, which is... Envy is a relationship between two people where the other person has something that you might want. And then jealousy is actually a situation between three people where something is being threatened to be taken away. And I found that definition to be quite interesting because it kind of helps me to separate, okay, as I, as I continue to form this connection with my body, and see like, oh, this is what envy feels like. This is what jealousy feels like. I, I, I kind of really like that definition. So just to kind of recap, 
you know, envy is like when somebody else has something that I want and there's like that uh, dynamic between two people. And then jealousy is when it's a dynamic between three people and whether it's me and my partner and then the third person kind of coming in and threatening that dynamic. So I found that to be very helpful. Yeah. What I just wanted to ask was each of yours upbringing and learnings about jealousy. So like I, I went to a Jewish, a private Jewish school where jealousy or envy. Yeah. I guess at the, at the time, I don't know there, there was a difference was just like a sin. Like it was literally a sin to look at other people and want what they have. And then, you know, when I started my own pers- doing my own personal work is when I learned like, oh yeah, what I'm envious of shows me my desires and all of that I really need to ask myself is like, what am I seeing for myself in this, right? What, what is this person showing me that I want for myself? I even had a couple here once that talked about how if, you know, if, if one person's feeling turned on by, by someone outside of the relationship, they'll just get inspired and be like, oh, how do we bring that person's energy into this and like use it as inspiration for us? So I thought that was really cool and, and just a different way of looking at it. So I'd love to hear both of your upbringings and learnings about jealousy growing up. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing, even though I didn't have a particularly religious upbringing, I do live in Guatemala, which is a very conservative country. And I consider myself much more religious now. I'm a Christian. But the conservative nature of Guatemala is you don't talk about it. Like, you just don't. Whatever it is that's happening, just smile. Everything's going to be okay. Bury it under the rug. We don't talk about it. We don't do conflict. And not only was that the experience in my family, but definitely in the culture, like having authentic conversations where I can express my anger in a healthy way didn't exist. And it it, it took me, you know, going to a conscious community and really taking an active role in my own healing to be able to understand that it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay to express your anger and if you don't do that in a healthy way you will end up doing it in an unhealthy way whether it be through violence or whether it be through passive aggressiveness or any other form of aggression that's how it'll come out because at the end of the day it's energy that i'm bottling inside so as a culture we're just bottlers you know here in the conservative country we're bottlers we bottle emotions we don't talk about it and that was very much a dynamic in my family and it's been it's been interesting breaking those barriers because even today like just because i like to do this work doesn't mean that everybody's willing to have that conversation and part of my growth has been accepting that as well where i'm like hey like everybody let's sit down i'm gonna order a pizza and let's talk about trauma you know (laughs) not everybody is like that not everybody loves to talk about themselves and their trauma and what they're going through and their emotions all the time. And that's something that I've learned as well. So it's been an amazing journey. And I, I thank so much my, my, my family and my friends who don't particularly like to talk about it, but I'm, I still love them anyway. And that's, that's been my experience with uh, conservative culture here in Guatemala. <sighs> yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Similarly, I did not have a very religious upbringing, but the general etiquette was very similar to, you know, we don't talk about it. If something happens, if there's some kind of discretion um, in a marriage or someone is, you know, seeking outside or people are in open relationships, we don't talk about it. Everybody mind your business. And for me, like that's never, I've never felt comfortable with that at all. Um, I think that for me, that creates gossip, that creates resentment, that creates, you know, just a really big barrier to understanding why things happen. And I've always been that way, even before I started doing personal development work. Not to say I didn't engage in gossip or have my own opinions. I absolutely did. And that has changed over time but like it never felt really comfortable so i'm so grateful that i have community now but i would say the upbringing like up until my early 30s didn't allow for a lot of conversation and i think because of that i had so much i had a lot of judgment around the way people did things like the example that came up while i was listening to you like what it reminded inside of me was like 
you know, someone had, um, you know, an affair and the woman didn't leave him. And I was like, she is so weak and why wouldn't you leave? And he needs to be punished and all of these things, right? Like I definitely had those thoughts, layers and layers of thoughts and anger and like wanting to punish him and all these things. Not to say that breaking trust is not wrong, but like I didn't have like the perspective of like, you know, their communication and their relationship or, you know, all of the underlying factors of staying, right? And now that I, you know, have worked past all that kind of like upbringing of like bury it under the rug and not talk about it, I see so many more reasons why that person stayed or why it was important to them that they work through it or what the other person did to regain the trust. And like that is so, there's so many lessons there in not letting that, you know, conservative culture or religion or, you know, whatever, whatever we see growing up, like be the way that we do things. Like I just think like authentic relating and being vulnerable has so much power for people who, who want more, you know? Yeah. That that's really powerful what you said. And also it, it just touches also on, and just like the very black and white view that most people have on relationships of like, I should only stay if this is going to go somewhere or if this is going to work out. Like, what does that even mean? Right? Like we're on this soul journey in the human body for whatever lessons are there. And so I too, when I see someone who personally, I would leave that relationship. It's like, who knows what that soul is working on with this person in their life right now? Like whatever they're working through, I it, like, who am I to say that they shouldn't be with them or that that relationship isn't going anywhere? Like clearly their, you know, their soul is choosing that for whatever lesson they're meant to learn. So it's just like having a broader perspective on that. Yeah. And I think that that's a lot of the fear that goes into a jealous dynamic is I'm afraid that he's going to cheat on me with somebody else. That seems, and that will lead to the end of this relationship that I love. And I think that talking about that possibility can actually be very powerful. Like we all make mistakes. And I think that this is one of those very taboo topics. It's like, what happens if someone, if there's a breach of trust and someone decides to um, engage in a sexual dynamic with someone outside of this container, what happens as, as Rishi, um, I'm very tempted to want to say, you know what, you cheat on me, you're out of here. Like there's some, a set of rules that I need to live by in a code. And that seems to be shifting as I continue to grow, not necessarily because that's something I'm going to tolerate, but because my level of understanding of the human experience continues to grow. And I see how people can make mistakes and it all goes back to the intention, like, like the why, are you able to identify why you did it? And then based on my evaluation, if this person was honest with the why and everything else that had to happen, and then I'll be able to make a decision if I want to continue in that relationship. But this is something that is very edgy, you know, just talking about being unfaithful and that possibility, because we all make mistakes, you know, we all make mistakes. And, you know, was it a mistake or was it actually a revenge tactic? Like, were you just angry? You, you no longer want to be in this relationship. And so you cheat as a way of causing an unforgivable act that will cause us to split because you didn't have the courage to actually tell me that you don't want to be in this relationship anymore like the intention, like why, why, why did it happen? It's so powerful. And being able to, to have that conversation without taking it personally, is very hard. But if you're able to have that conversation and really be um, in a loving place, I think there's so much growth that can occur. Whether or not that relationship at the end continues is a whole separate thing. But I think that these moments of extreme vulnerability and actions like that are such a breeding ground for growth, both from the person who cheated and the person who got cheated on. 
Oh, yes, exactly. Mic drop. I think, I think you touched on like the, one of the two things that jealousy is really about, right? Like, is this person going to leave me? And that is just the, I think like the question we all have to face. And especially Vanessa, you can speak on this because you're, you know, in poly and open relating the fact that we don't own anyone and we have zero guarantee to be with someone for the rest of our lives. And that it's, yeah, that it's not natural. And we've been living in this you know, dynamic of you're meant to be with just one person and maybe that's what you want, but it's not necessarily the reality, right? So something that I struggle with is when people try to figure out if someone's trustworthy. So I love what you said, Rishi, about like, there is an element of get curious of why someone's doing something, right? And I'm all, I'm also like, well, what is that really to for someone to be trustworthy? Because really it's about what do you want? Like, do you want to be with this person or not? Because you can't guarantee that someone else is going to do anything. But I love that you said that because I think there is like a little bit of a guarantee, a little bit of like, okay, I know this person does have good intentions and I'm choosing to, to trust their words and, and I understand their, um, where they're coming from. Yeah. Did you want to say something? Yeah. Yeah. And my personal experience has been that it all comes back to how, do I trust myself to be able to determine if this person is being honest or not, because they might be completely honest, but if I'm in my trauma, if I'm in my trigger, if I'm not really tapped into my own heart, I'm not, I won't be able to tell, you know, whether that person is being honest or not. And I think that just having this conversation of the possibility that there, this might occur, I think is, is really powerful. And it doesn't happen from one day to the next, you know, um, this is a gradual thing. Like if there's a person who decides to cheat, it's not from one day to the next. Something is brewing. Something is happening. Something that person is feeling something that they're not expressing and being able to talk about the fact that you are attracted to another person or that you are actually curious early on avoids that from happening because at the end of the day, being unfaithful is a breach of trust. And if you made that decision, there were several steps that led up to that. You know, it's not just you wake up and it's like, boom, oh, this happened. And so being able to talk about the attraction to other beings, I think is super, super powerful. And in my previous relationship, uh, that, that came up, you know, that came up and being able to talk about that allowed us to determine whether or not this container is a space where we both want to be in. Because I can come and say, listen, I'd like to open this container to other connections. And the other person can be like, you know what, that's not what I want. And there needs to be a disattachment to be able to be like, oh, wow, like, we're no longer aligned. And thank you so much for speaking your truth. And thank you so much for loving yourself to be able to express that. And it seems like our container is coming to a close. So let's talk about what that looks like. Yeah. What I'm hearing and what you're saying is a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of personal responsibility and a lot of like, it's not that you're not good enough is that we just want different things. Yeah. It's just like, you know, when stuff around jealousy. And that's okay. Yeah, exactly. And like when stuff around jealousy comes off or stuff like that, it's going to hurt. It's going to bring up wounds. It's going to bring up insecurities. But I do believe that those insecurities are there to be healed. And for you to really see within yourself, wow, what is this wound that's coming up for me, for me to look at and for me to love? Not what's this coming up that's telling me danger, like I need to get out of here, right? I'm curious, Vanessa, if, if that was an experience for you, like in the beginning of, of your journey um, in open relating. Well, I just want to make sure I clearly answer the experience, what experience early on in early, open relating, just like the recognition of open communication or? Well, you know, I hear that open relating is like spirituality on steroids in a way that like, you're just brought, like your shadows are brought up and your wounds are brought up like excel at an accelerated level because there isn't this like false sense of security that you have with, with, with a partner, right? So yeah, I would love to hear like for people listening that are, cause I, I have a, a like, a lot of clients, for example, that are starting to 
starting to dive into open relating. So what was your experience like in the beginning when all those old wounds started showing up? Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for uh, clarifying. And because I just have so much like I'm just loving this conversation so much. And I the main point that comes up for me is I think living in like shame or fear of like I said in my earlier relationship I had talked about wanting to open up the relationship and it was like a hard no and I just accepted it and that was okay for us at that time like I had to make that decision to accept it but I learned from that moment that like it was something I was no longer willing to do anymore now my relationship is is with my former husband is has a lot of layers so it wasn't just like we got divorced and now I'm with new people like that's a whole other podcast <laughs> um but that worked for us in that moment but I knew going forward that that was not something I was ever willing to do again and I think that for many people like Irishi you had mentioned like establishing it from the very beginning is a great way to avoid the conflicts later. And I also think that sometimes it can come up 10 years down the road or 15 or 20 or whatever. And the person is so ashamed. And so like in the expectation and in the integrity of the marriage, and I'm not trying to like, I do not want to like take away from the sanctity of marriage or the commitment, because I know it is a very, you know, again, another podcast, not taking away from that. But if the feelings come up many years down the line that maybe I do want to have an open relationship or maybe I do want to explore something else, creating safety to have the conversation without it meaning divorce, without it meaning, you know, this or that black and white, just creating safety to have the conversation so that person doesn't have to live in shame because living with the shame in the long run hurts a lot more then the difficult conversation that might hurt and end in a break or it might end in a growth you know and you've said this to me before tonight is like you know is it the integrity uh, i'll ask you to expound on it but you're like you said to me is it is it worth it more to live in live in the integrity of the paperwork or to live in the truth of your heart and so like to me just because the paper was signed and the commitment was made and that's who you chose to be for 30 years does not mean that you that you haven't evolved into something else and you should be allowed to express that you know and whatever we don't know what it looks like on the other side but not expressing it because we're afraid of what it looks like on the other side or we're afraid of totally you know i've heard people say like it would totally break that person apart and they would die if i did this and it's like you you don't know that you know like you're killing yourself inside by holding it all in you know there's many instances of of that happening not even just in relationships in jobs i've seen people stay in jobs for 25 years where they're so miserable but they're like i this is the integrity and this is i this is where i need to be and i've spent all my time here and that's it but they're miserable and they die of heart attacks you know what i mean so yeah like working through that working through it getting to the other side, knowing that there's, there might be pain along the way is less painful to me than like living in shame, repressing, not being honest, not being true to myself. And I think that the more we practice it, the easier it becomes. And the more we know about ourselves that we don't have to keep exploring, you know, like we just start to become more uh, affirmed. Yeah. And thank you for sharing, Vanessa. That's, that was really beautiful. And I want to add that for me, that is now what love also looks like. Allowing the person who's in front of me to be able to express their desires and accept them with all of that is part of that unconditional love um, that I'm still learning how to be able to execute. Like you said, we just, we change so often our desires, our mission, our purpose, uh, the people we want to hang out with, our friends, our, our sexuality, you know, our sexual desire, all of these things shift. And the, as I grow older, my definition of how I love the other person is, is shifting and being able to hear that from the other person is what love looks like to me. And I know that I feel loved when I'm able to express who I am today 
as opposed to who I was yesterday and still receive that love and affection. So at the end, it's all about love. It's all about love. Amen. I, I very much agree with that. And I very much agree that it can all be an invitation to experience more love and to expand our capacity for love. Just an invitation. Yeah, not a threat or a challenge, but an invitation. So I think this is a beautiful peak to end on. Yeah, I feel the peak here. So such a magical conversation, guys. I'm, I'm just, yeah, this, these are the types of conversations that we need to have. Getting people to think about these things a little differently, even as challenging as they may be, um, because it's what helps us step closer into our truth and have more truthful relationships. So thank you so much for both of you for being so generous with your wisdom and your shares. Any last words that, that you'd like to leave? Yeah, thank you tonight. First of all, continue to do these podcasts. Thank you so much for creating these spaces where this type of information can be shared and this type of knowledge can be spread around the world. So thank you so much for, for your podcast and the work that you do. Vanessa, it was a pleasure meeting you. And it's all about love. It's all about love. Let's love harder. Let's love harder. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. In the end, I, I truly believe that all there is is love and that we are love. And if we see each other in that highest truth, that everything else will fall away. And our human experience is about work you know I, I don't want to use the word challenge but like it, it is practice right and I love the opportunity to practice in this way and I absolutely am beyond grateful for the opportunity to share with you tonight and with you Rishi and with everyone else who hears this because I know that some people feel alone um in these topics or in their emotions or what the next steps are and i really just i just think that containers where um this conversation is allowed to be had and celebrated are really going to heal the world so thank you tonight mm -hmm. so so good thank you so much to you both and I'm going to put both of their contact informations in the description. So if you guys want to continue the conversation or if you have any questions about anything that we talked about today, feel free to reach out. Hey, you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Commitment Phobe. If you like what you heard, make sure to share with your friends, your lovers, your ex-lovers, anyone that you think could benefit from having a conversation like this one. And... It would be super helpful if you subscribed and left a five-star rating on iTunes to make sure that this podcast gets spread around to as many listeners as possible and we can start changing the conversation that we have around intimacy and relationships. If you want to find out more information about what I do as a women's coach and some of my other projects that I'm working on, you can find my information in the bio of this episode or you can reach out to me directly on Instagram and shoot me any questions that you have. See you next time.